As I, as I prayed for us, there are some in this place that you feel bound by fear tonight. You're paralyzed by um, indecision. You're not able to decide. There's a fear that has overcome and bound you. And God wants to set us free from fear tonight. That you're just stuck. You're stuck in a decision. You're stuck in fear. And God, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I see perfect love casts out all fear. Welcome to the Resurgence Messages Podcast. We gather and minister regularly for the purpose of reaching people, reviving churches, and releasing leaders. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you to arise for the kingdom of God. For more information on the ministry of Resurgence and how you can take part, check out liveresurgence.com. You know, through Scripture, we see God reveals Himself in moments. There's moments that people encounter God. There's also, there's, there's movements that happen where God takes people through a journey and, and they grow in God. There's movements, but also in scripture, there's, there's, there's mystery. There's mystery to the scripture. When we read different parts of it, we see mystery. And I want to talk tonight about mystery. I've titled this thought, Mystery. And uh, if you have your Bibles, Mark chapter 5, Donovan used this passage a month ago, um, but I just really felt it was for us tonight. Mark chapter 5, starting at verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come, put your hands on her so she'll be healed and live. She went, so Jesus went with him. We have Jairus. Jairus is a synagogue leader. Jairus is from Capernaum. Um, I don't even say that right, but Capernaum. Is that right? Capernaum. And he, he's a leader of influence. He's a leader of authority. He has a respect to him. And, and he has wealth. He has position. He likely heard from the Pharisees all about Jesus, how bad Jesus was, how, how, what Jesus, oh, this controversial teacher. But, but something he also heard about was miracles. He heard that Jesus was doing miracles. He heard that something was happening and people were getting healed. And something caused Jairus to fall at the feet of Jesus. Something caused him, something drew him. Th think, think of this act. I mean, this act that he would actually do this. His power, his influence, his respect. I mean, who he was. And there is this controversial teacher that's going around healing people. And yet he falls on the dusty ground. He falls right before him. Why? Because his baby's dying. His little girl is dying and he doesn't know what else to do. He has no other options. And something inside him caused that hunger to go, Je Jesus can do something here. Something spoke to him. And he says, please come put your hands on her so that she'll be healed and live. See, there's a moment here of such faith that he had in Jesus. He had a faith moment. Something caused him to believe. Something brought him to this moment, to the knees of Jesus. This is massive. It's what we call faith. It's, it's this moment. So there, Scripture says, Jesus went with him. And I think it's a moment we all have in this place, or all need to come to at some point, is falling at the knees of Jesus. In our darkest moments in separation, we find Jesus and we fall at his knees. 
We answer the call to Jesus. We answer that and we fall at his knees. It's a moment of surrender. It's a moment of saying, Jesus, I need you in my life. I ask you to come into my heart. I need you, Jesus. And that's why this church is here. That's why resurgence is here. It, we, that, that moment of surrender. See, your darkest day can be the best day if it brings you to Jesus. And we see this in the story here. And Jesus gives a promise and says, I'm going to come to your house. So they get up and go. Faith, faith got Jairus to that moment. Jesus said, yes, he's coming to the house. Jesus gave a promise. I will come. I'm coming. Okay, good news. This is great. We have a but in the story. Then we have an interruption. We have a detour. We have a problem that happens for Jairus. They're on the route to Jairus' house for the little girl that is dying, and yet there's an interruption. There's a woman with an issue of blood. She is bleeding. A woman with an issue of bleeding, not of blood, of bleeding. And, and this, this, this happens, and here we have Jesus en route to the girl, en route to the girl, and yet he hits traffic. He hits a crowd. He didn't reroute his GPS. He stayed there. He kept going through this crowd. And I can imagine what Jarius is going through. Crowds everywhere. And instead of going in a different direction or skirting the crowds, Jesus went right into the crowd. And, and this woman who's been bleeding for 12 years touched Jesus, and it causes Jesus to stop. See, here's where we have the mystery of the whole story. The mystery, and I believe that God wants to speak to us tonight, is we have a detour. What do you do with the detour? When I was coming back from Korea and Eastern Canada, I landed in Seattle, and, and Yakima is two hours from Seattle. And so I, I GPS my route back from Seattle to Yakima, and you have to go over this mountain pass. And I'm like, okay, it's called the Snoqualmie Mountain Pass. And so it's like three lanes, it's not bad. But as I GPSed it from the airport, it's taking me a different way. So I'm like, why isn't it taking me the way I know? And I'm like, it's like, so I like try and there's like accidents, construction, I don't know, but it was gonna take like a, like a two hour drive would take five hours if I went that way. I'm like, I'm not going that way. So all of a sudden I'm getting on these like little roads and I'm going up Mount Rainer, which is a mountain in Washington. And I'm like, this beautiful mountain. And it's like, it's nice leaves. It's like, oh, this is like a, like a, a single lane highway, uh, not divided. So it's like, but there's no one on it. I'm like, beautiful drive. I'm having this good drive. I turn on, I turn on the radio, satellite radio in the vehicle I had, it had a XM radio. So it had Oilers game. So I'm listening to the Oilers game. Like life is awesome. And driving on this thing, and all of a sudden I realize, like, this is like, there's no one out here. There's no cars, there's no one. And I'm like, okay, it's a good drive. I called Jess, talked to her. She goes, oh, be careful, da, da, da. So I'm driving. All of a sudden I lose cell reception. I'm like, okay, that's fine, I'll get it. And then all of a sudden I start to notice it raining. And I'm like, okay, it's raining a little bit. And I'm climbing this thing, and I'm realizing I'm going up the mountain. Like, this is a mountain. And then all of a sudden, like, within a kilometer, it is full whiteout. So I'm on the top of this mountain, driving on these like windy roads, and I'm looking over the edge, there's like a little guardrail, and it's dropped right down. And I'm like, I'm in the middle of nowhere with no cell service on this detour because GPS took me here, and uh, it's like a full snowstorm, like it was a nice fall day, and now it's full snowstorm, going, what the heck? I mean, I was going like 10 kilometers an hour, just trying not to like fall off the road, and, um, I got there, 
But I, I was thinking of that as I was preparing for this, you know, a detour. Isn't it? We hit detours all the time. God, what are you doing in this detour. Everything could be hunky-dory and all of a sudden COVID happens. Uh, circumstance happens. Trial happens. L- let us put ourselves in the, in the shoes of G- Jairus. He has a reputation. He has, he has all of this fear of what people think, fear of, of what he thinks people think, his authority. And he falls at, at the feet of Jesus, what the establishment at the time thought was a nutter. They thought he was crazy. They, they didn't accept him. And here, Jairus, because he's desperate, falls at Jesus' feet. And, and Jesus says, I'm going to come to your house. Jesus stops and everything. And now all of a sudden, Jesus takes a detour. And it's not happening at the time and, and, and when Jarius thought it would happen. Can you imagine the anxiety that just fills his heart right then? The fear of that moment? My little girl's going to die and Jesus is caring about someone else? What about me, Jesus? What about my little girl, Jesus? I just want you to touch my little girl, but Jesus is working on someone else's life. He doesn't care about my situation. I can imagine those thoughts. Here's a woman bleeding for 12 years, but my little girl, my 12-year-old is dying and she might not live another five minutes. And we know the story, Jesus engages the woman, find out she touched him and says, daughter, your faith is healed. You go in peace and be freed from your suffering. And while she was still speaking, people came from the house of Jairus. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? See, there's always voices of they, isn't it? I like how it says, they, they. why bother the teacher anymore? They, it's people. It says, your daughter is dead. See, people came. These voices came. There's always voices, isn't it? Voices that are saying negative stuff. Voices that maybe are even in our head that are saying that. And um, here's the unmistakable tension in the story. Jeez, Jarius is standing there just hearing that his daughter has passed away. And the person that could help took a detour and didn't get there on time. After putting his faith in Jesus, there's loss, there's grief, there's disbelief. It's finished. His baby girl is gone. There's no more tea parties. There's no more playing with Barbies. It is over. His girl has died in this moment, and yet he's standing there with somebody that was supposed to help, but he took a detour. His very girl had died, and Jesus was speaking to others when he could have done something. Can I suggest that this right here might be the greatest case of medical malpractice we've ever seen? (laughs) I mean... I know enough from watching whether private practice, ER, uh, any medical show, 911, pick your show. There is a triage system that happens in hospitals. I, I know enough from waiting in the ER at like midnight with like a sore throat and being there till like eight hours later. You don't get in very quick. But if you have chest pain, if you're dying, you get in very quickly. And here is this circumstance where Jesus, it seems like he didn't do the triage properly. He could have saved a little girl and then he could have came back and dealt with all the other issues. But on the way, he stops and deals with the bleeding issue and the bleeding issue isn't as serious as a death issue. And yet, this is what he does. You imagine the anger 
that Jarius would feel for that? He'd be so ticked. Here I put my reputation, my knees are still dusty from getting down in front of you. The embarrassment of what you've done to me, the voices in his head, Jesus was too light. See, as we read scripture, we see Jesus in these moments, in his movements, but we see him in the mystery. And things aren't linear in scripture sometimes. It's, it's teaching these things where it's like, hey God, what are you doing in this moment? I, I don't see you right now. It doesn't seem logical what you're doing. It's hard to understand what's happening. But I think if we're honest in this room tonight, I think it's the tension that we all face. What do we do with the space in between? What do we do the space in between the promise that God's given us and the fulfillment of that promise? What do we do? What's the tension and the mystery that we live in between what, what God is saying and in, in God calls us to and in finding our voice and place and what that actually looks like? The tension and the mystery of, of, of having a dream or vision for our lives and then actually stepping into that. The, the tension or the mystery of, of, of saying, oh, there's a Holy Spirit out there and I can, I can receive the Holy Spirit, but actually speaking in tongues. The actual, okay, you, you, you believe this stuff, but then the, the tension and mystery of arrive, or, or believing for a healing and going, God, you can heal, you can touch, you can move this mountain. And then, and then in that in-between space, when it actually happens, the believing for a spouse, uh, believing that you could conceive children, uh, you, you fill in the blank. I think believing for a, a, a loved one or someone we know to find Jesus or come back to Jesus, that, that tension of the in-between, knowing what God says about it, knowing the truth about it, knowing a word at an altar, a prophecy, a prophetic word, but then also stepping into that. I think it's the tension of our faith, the tension of mystery that we go, okay, how does this work? <laughs> My engineering brain likes the logical, like, okay, you do X and you do Y and equals Z. You know, like it's just, it's just logical. And yet here, our faith sometimes, it's not all logical. It's the tension and the mystery of it. Things are going well and COVID hits and the world goes into its pandemic and craziness and it feels like a detour that won't end. That, that mystery and, 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 you know, Wimber, John Wimber said this, he said, it's already but not here yet. It's frustrations address, isn't it? It's doubts home. It's where anxiety likes to fester. It's, it's a place where the voices in our head, if I'm being honest, are the loudest, aren't they? It's the voice of like, okay, why, who said that? Why, why will that happen? You know, it's that voice of doubt comes in, the voice of, okay, God established that, but how do I see that actually happen? God, why am I here? What is my purpose? How do I fulfill that purpose? See, do you ever feel like Jesus is working with the people, working in the lives of the people around you, but somehow he's missed you? I think that's the tension of this. That's the tension of Jairus going, hey, the woman with the issue of blood, but what about me, Jesus? See, we like a God we can understand, don't we? A God we can control and fit in our box. And we like to trust that kind of God. But will we trust a God that's outside of our control, outside of our box, outside of what we can comprehend? That's different. That's who God is. See, the Bible, in, in the Bible, it says this, Overhearing what they said, those people, they, Jesus told him, Jairus, 
Do not be afraid, just believe. See, in the space in between, in the tension and the mystery, I believe God says to us tonight here, and he says to Jairus, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid, just believe. See, faith in the mystery, trust in the mystery, patience in the mystery. It's like God saying, you just see a little bit of the picture, but I see 8K vision. I see Martin, I'm more than 4K. I see 8K. I see the whole story. I see everything that's unfolding in your life. And will you trust me, Jarius? Will you trust me on November 5th at resurgence tonight? Will you trust God for what he's believing in your life? Because he sees the whole picture. He sees the whole story. Travis, what does mystery have to do with having a resurgence, living a life of resurgence? I think it's foundational for us as followers of Jesus to understand mystery and navigate mystery well. Because I believe we, that's where we find ourselves a lot of our faith journey, in the mystery in the moments of the in-between of how, how do we actually live this out? We can have a moment at an altar and we can have a moment of encounter and we can have a moment, but it's that in-between space where, where that mystery happens of actually living and seeing the fulfillment of what God's promised. You know, I, I think, um, can I suggest? It's the mystery of all the lights going on when you're preaching. It reminded me, I, was, I wasn't going to tell a story, but a side story. So two weeks ago, Jess has to dress up for a Halloween thing at work. So she's a dentist, she's with kids, so she can't be scary. She just wants to be something cute. So we go into this Spirit of Halloween store. Have you ever been into those stores? It's avoid them. They're terrible. And you go in and there's goblins and there's this, there's this, there's this actual, like it's dark in the one part. And I'm like, who goes, like, it was just like all this stuff. And so she's looking for like Minnie Mouse. She bought Minnie Mouse, a cute outfit. We could. So we found Minnie Mouse. And um, as we're going to the till, there's a whole lineup at the till. And we're in this Spirit of Halloween store. And all these people are buying their like ghosts and their vampires and like crazy masks and all this stuff. And there's this clown thing that's going like this. And it's like jumping out of this box thing. And there's a, there's a house by it. And Jess tells a story better than me. But this is like, I'm going to take you to hell. I'm going to like this kind of stuff. It's saying this. Well, I hear this thing. I get scared. Like I'm like, shaka da ba da 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 ba and I'm speaking in tongues over this thing. Like, I'm like going for it. And the, the, like, she said it was loud. She said the whole store could hear you. <laughs> oh, I, I didn't care. Yari, you'd be impressed. I just, I was, I was giving it tongues because this thing was like doing its thing. And I'm like, go back to Satan, you know, go back to hell. And uh, the, guy, the guy right in front of me, he hears me speaking in tongues. And he starts bust out laughing and just looks at me. And I just kept speaking in tongues. And it was, it was the awkward, like, five minutes to get to the till. Um, but the lights going off just reminded me of that. <laughs> Side story, detour. Just took a detour. Um, but can I suggest an ability to navigate mystery caused us many, can cause many of us to fall away from a relationship with Jesus? That if we don't know how to handle the space in between, those disappointments, God, why are you doing this? Why is it working in someone else? You just healed that woman with the issue of blood, but you didn't heal my little girl. You, you, you were too tied up with someone else. You didn't care about me. 
And I think if we're really honest, we've probably have all had those conversations with the Lord. God, you worked in someone else. You're blessing someone else. We scroll social media and we're like, oh, someone else is getting a blessing. What about us? If we're, if we're honest. You know, we look at the, in Abraham's journey and, and the story of Abraham and Isaac, and we've probably all heard sermons on this. I remember as a little kid hearing a sermon about Isaac being sacrificed, and he goes up the mountain. But I read this story recently, and, 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 I, and you know, you read a story and you can see it in a different light. I can see the process that was happening in Abraham. So Abraham waited forever to have Isaac. He has Isaac. They say Isaac was maybe 18 years old, like older, wasn't that young when this happened. And it says he spoke, God spoke to Abraham and Abraham said, here I am, God. But then you have a three-day journey, a three-day journey up a mountain to sacrifice Isaac. And at the end of the three-day journey, when he's about to kill Isaac, all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord stops him and he goes, here I am. Between those two here I am bookends, can I say, think of the struggle. And I've not heard this preach. I've not heard. Think of the struggle that Abraham had to go through. God, where are you? You promised my promise and now I have to kill my promise. Think of that thing and, and that, that obedience and going, God, like I, I could just leave now. I don't have to do that. Like all those things that were going on in that struggle. And I think it's where we all find ourselves. What do we do in the mystery? What do we do in the waiting? What do we do in that between the two here I am bookmarks of our life? See, if I view the Father, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit, if my view is formed or fashioned, um, well in the mystery, then I can determine how I will live my life, how I will lead my marriage, my family, this ministry, all the things he's put in, in front of me, how I point people to Jesus. See, the Jesus I see will be the Jesus that I lead others to. And if I'm not leading, if I don't experience or heal some of those things, then I'm gonna, who am I going to lead Jesus to? It's going to be a tainted view of who Jesus really is. Is how we struggle with some of those mysteries and how we see God. See, if I start to see God as angry or I'm frustrated at God, it's going to come out in how I see God and how I point others to God. It'll be a frustrated God. Hey, come meet my frustrated God. I'm annoyed with him, but you should meet him. No one wants to meet frustrated God. You frustrated at God. Nobody wants to meet that God. It's, and, and so we have to deal with some of this heart stuff. See, um, the, the speed and the promise and t- of timing isn't what I thought. Jarius is, 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 is waiting for Jesus to come to his house. And you know what? It takes a long time. It actually takes too long of a time. And his daughter dies. Isn't taking too long the, the language of comparison? I, I believe comparison is a number one killer of joy. It kills peace. It clouds clarity of what God's called you to do. It's a thing that, it's, it's, my race is marked out for me, but now I'm looking at somebody else's lane, somebody else's race, and, and I might crash in my own race because I'm not looking at what God's called me to do. It, it changes our perspective. It's comparison. It's, it's looking at everything else. I believe it's a number one destroyer of destiny. It'll destroy us. Someone around us gets a breakthrough, but what, what about me? And we celebrate it at first, but if we're not careful, we don't deal with the heart stuff. What, what's happening in my life? What's happening in, in my heart? Social media. It's really easy to, to focus on 
everything that's happening, the highlight reel of others' lives. Sarah Hall said, U.S. Olympic runner said, we lose sight of what God has for us when we compare ourselves to others. See, I, I think it comes down to success. What do we define success? And a comparison trap gets us into finding success. We want quick success. We want the, we want the quick fruit. But God's interested in the heart stuff, the, the, the plumbing, the foundation, the inside of our heart. How, how are you developing there so that I can sustain what I want to do in you? See, we have Jesus in the story and, you know, he, he says, don't be afraid. And he looks at you and me today in our mystery and he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. What, what do we fear? Do we fear the voice of man? Do we fear uh, the accuser in our head? Do we, what, what do we fear or do we fear God's voice? We need to fear the Lord. We sang about that tonight. There's a call to fear. We need to fear the Lord. See, fear can paralyze us, fatigue us, shipwreck us. You will have fear if you live a life of fear. You will have fear if you live a life of courage. Both will, you'll have fear. Sometimes we think, oh God, take all our fear away. Listen, you'll have fear still. But it's what to do with the fear. They had fear when walking on water. They had fear, like all, all these things. We'll, we'll have fear. But what do we do with the fear? Sometimes we aren't even sure what we're afraid of, but we're afraid. Can I suggest that even before COVID and the pandemic, a lot of people were living in fear, but they felt that the world was safe. And then all of a sudden the world wasn't safe. And so the fear got exposed. We have a culture narrative that uses fear to get us to do things. Fears us into, if you want to do it, well, you better do it or something that happened. Like that's just how it's working. And listen, God doesn't operate under fear. He doesn't fear you into loving him. He doesn't fear us into doing stuff. He loves us into doing stuff. There isn't a culture of fear. A season where fear and courage, I believe in the season we're in, can look like the same thing. Fear and courage can look like the same thing. And it's how to know those that live by fear are paralyzed and those that have courage are elevated. Genesis 3, where did fear come in? Fear came in in Genesis 3. Fear was hiding. I love what Erwin McManus says. He says, fear is our inadequacy turned into an emotion. Things we love most became the environment for fear. See, fear is sourced within us sometimes. And there's this fear and we can focus on the danger and the obstacle or we can focus on what God wants to do ahead, the miracle, the thing in front of you. See, if we're on healthy wounds in our heart, we allow fear. And, and what happens in seasons of pressure, those things rise to the surface. It's, it's when those things come to the surface. It's those unhealthy seeds. You know, I, I just, as I, as I prayed for us, there's some in this place that you feel bound by fear tonight. You're paralyzed by um, indecision. You're not able to decide. There's a fear that has overcome and bound you. And God wants to set us free from fear tonight. That you're just stuck. You're stuck in a decision. You're stuck in fear. And God, where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I see perfect love casts out all fear. 
And I just sense God wants to cut the strings of fear tonight, fear that has crippled you, fear that has held you back. And so if you have fear in this place, can you just, just say, that's me. And we're just gonna pray right now. We're gonna pray for everyone that has fear. You just sense fear. Yep, see those hands. So Lord, I just, we just, we take hold of every fear in this place. Spirit of fear, leave now in Jesus' name. We cut every string of fear, everything that has come against every beautiful believer in this place, and we break off fear. We break off the attack of fear. We break off night fears, and that has caused us to not sleep well. We break off anxiety. We break off doubt, and we just say, fear no more. We just speak perfect love casts out all fear. We thank you that not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of God. And so we just break that fear off right now in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In verse 38, Jesus goes to the home of Jairus. I wonder what that walk was like. I bet it was pretty quiet. I don't think Jairus would have been saying too much. I'm not sure Jesus was saying too much. Maybe Jesus was hemming a, humming a hymn. Oh, how's things, you know, da, da, da. I don't know. That would have been an awkward walk. And I wonder... What was going on in Jarius, the grief, the frustration, the anger, his girl is dead and yet he walks with Jesus. Can I suggest, you know, could Jarius be tired? Could he be tired of waiting? Could he be tired of walking with Jesus? Could he be tired of, of all that he just went through, of hoping and having his hopes crushed, fatigued by the fear of his daughter dying and then fear of the reputation just crushed. It was a roller coaster of emotion. He was fatigued. And, and, I, and I, as I thought of the story, I thought, isn't that where our culture is right now? I hear the word fatigue. I hear it everywhere. Remember, it's, it's physiological in some cases. There, there's stuff happening. Listen, if, if you have fatigue and there are things that are going on in your emotions and your heart, you know what? We just believe so strongly at Resurgence, go see somebody that you can talk to get medical help, but also get help from a counselor. It is so key to go to a psychologist, a counselor, talk to someone, a God-loving person that can help you deal with what's going on in this season, because there is a lot, and we need to process it and work through that, and that's so key to get health and all these things. But I think there's so much talk of fatigue, and it's like, God, what are you doing in this season? You know, they, they, they call it among pastors, I heard this the other day, the great resignation right now. There are more pastors resigning in Canada and North America than ever any other time. There is such a fatigue in the church, a fatigue in ministry, a fatigue in life right now where our capacity is here. And it's like everyone you talk to, I'm fatigued, I'm tired, I'm, I'm this. And, um, and it's easy to get looking backwards, isn't it? Looking at, well, what, what happened three years ago? God, where, where are you? And what, why isn't it like that? We would just want to go back. And um, I was thinking the other day, I, I love boats. And I was thinking about boats because I love boats. I want a boat. I said, Jess, we need to get a boat. She's like, no. I'm like, Mastercraft boat so I can wakeboard. That's my like dream list. And so maybe someday I'm hoping. But I love wakeboarding. I like wake surfing. But there's something, if you've ever wakeboarded or wake surfed, there's a moment where you get behind a boat, you, you grab that handle, you get pulled out of the water, and you're on the water and you're gliding, and it's really easy. You don't want to fall because it hurts to fall when you're going pretty fast. 
But, but you're, just, you're just holding on to this handle. But if you've ever done it, you've noticed this. If you let go of the handle, you still coast for a, a while. And it feels pretty good. It's, it's a good thing, but you're not holding on to the handle. And soon after you start to sink back in and your life jacket takes over and you're floating there waiting to be picked up. And I think this is kind of similar to what's happening in our pandemic and in our world right now. We didn't realize sometimes the power of the boat, the church, community, what it means to be in a church, what it means to be with other believers, what it means to hold on to the handle and say, God, you're working. And what's happened is, what we've done is we've, we've let go of things. We're like, we're fatigued, so let's just shut everything down, let go of the handles. And we're like, oh, we're kind of, we're still coasting. We're still like, whoa, we're still on the water. And then all of a sudden we start, we start sinking and realize we're going down. And, and the church, we needed community. We needed others. We needed the power of God. We needed his presence presence. And, and, and it's, it's, we're trying to get back up with no boat. We're trying to get back up with not holding onto the foundation of who he said we are, of who he is in our life. And, and, I, and I believe I've seen so many friends get shipwrecked in this season because they, they, they thought, oh, I don't need the church and I don't need to re-engage and I don't need this. And yet it's shipwrecked their hearts and their lives. And, it, and, it's, and it's got them very tired. People were tired trying to get up on ourselves. And, and we didn't realize the power of God that was at work in us and at work in community. See, there's a spirit of confusion that's happening right now. There's a spirit of fatigue. There's a spirit of fear and, and that has attacked us in this season. It's easy to go, what was life like before the pandemic? I've been in lots of rooms of pastors in the last bit, and they all go, um, Oh, you know, pre-pandemic, we had like 1,000 people in our church. Pre-pandemic this, pre-pandemic that. The pandemic was three years ago. And, it, and it's true, not just for pastors, but isn't it true for us? I find myself looking back, oh yeah, well, that was pre-pandemic, you know. Da, da, da. And, and it's easy to be looking back. Listen, um, you know, we can say, well, we didn't sign up for this. What did you sign up for? When you said yes to Jesus, it wasn't, it wasn't, what it, it wasn't gonna be easy. It's saying, God, I'm in no matter what. If it's easy, if it's a pandemic, if it's whatever, I'm in. If you wanna send me wherever to Yakima, I'm in. Like there, there's something where, you know, it's time to stop comparing and looking back. It's 2022. It's time to go, God, what are you doing right now? What are you calling me to grab onto that handle? And listen, I can't, I can't fatigue myself or strengthen myself to try to do, live this life out. I need you. It's because I'm not sufficient, but you are sufficient. It's because I'm not strong, you're strong. And, and there's a moment that I believe, you know, Jesus didn't die for me. I didn't die for him. And I think sometimes, you know, I didn't deny myself, take up my cross and fall. I denied myself, take up my cross and followed him. And there's no turning back when we say yes to him. There's something about our word and going, listen, I said yes to him. And when it's hard, it still doesn't matter. I said yes to him. My yes is my yes. And there's something where political crisis, economic crisis, whatever crisis can't stop me. Why? Because Holy Spirit is with us. The Holy Spirit is with us. See, what has been revealed, I think, is we've placed some misplaced hopes and they got crushed in this season. That's what's happened. That's what's going on. Everything has changed in the world, but to be honest, nothing has changed. God's still good. He still is on the throne. 
Holy Spirit is in this room. God's at work right now. He wants to use you. He loves you. He has a plan for you. And everything has changed, but nothing has changed. We still have access to every spiritual blessing. We are stuck as, if we, when we are stuck as a world, there's a problem. When we are fearful as the world, there's a problem. When we are as fatigued as the world, there's a problem. We, we don't know him then. We, we don't have our hand on the handle. See, in the mystery and the fear and the fatigue and the disappointment, Jer Jesus didn't leave Jairus. Jesus walked with him. And I just want to tell you, Jesus is walking with you. You feel fatigued tonight. You feel hopeless tonight. Jesus is walking with you. Don't leave Jesus. Don't leave Jesus. Hold on to that handle, like the handle of the, the, the ski rope. Hold on to him. Hold on to who he is. Jesus is walking, and when they came to the home, there was crying, wailing, commotion. Jesus asks, why all the commotion? Like he doesn't know, but he asks. The child is not dead, he says, but asleep. But they laughed at him. I like what Jesus does next. He kicks out all those laughing voices. I found sometimes the greatest voice in my head of, is of self-talk. It's the voice of the critics. It's the one email that stings for the 20 good emails. The, the one criticism that, that sticks with us. The, the one thing, and the enemy can attack us in these areas. And, and, and they come to the home, there's all this thing, crying, and Jesus kicks out all the laughing voices, all the mocking voices, all those things. Something happens, though, when Jesus goes into the room. Can I suggest to us tonight, something happens when Jesus goes into the room. When Jesus comes into the room, the mystery of the waiting, in the mystery of the tension, we have this mystery of the presence of God. See, there's something that God answers the mystery of our lives, the mystery of trying to figure it out, this tension, with another mystery, the mystery of Holy Spirit. See, it's Holy Spirit. There's a solution. I, I share all of this because if we can't navigate the mystery of life, with the mystery of the Holy Spirit, we'll find ourselves stuck. And, and it's, it's to be a spirit-empowered witness in our lives, to be a life of resurgence is embracing the mystery of the Holy Spirit. Think of the mystery of the Holy Spirit. Abraham Cooper said, the spirit leaves no footprints in the sand. John 3.8 says, the spirit is like the wind. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people, but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter the mysteries of the spirit. 1 Corinthians 14.2. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses both in Jerusalem and Judea and even to the remotest parts of the earth. Acts 1.8. Think of Moses. I'm not going on without your presence, God. Show me your glory. There was something about the presence. You can't quantify, you can't qualify a moment in the presence of God. It changes everything. And when he comes into the room, it changes everything. I, I don't know about you, but I would give my life for a moment in his presence. That's why we're here tonight. It's not just a social club or a hangout. God wants to move. We didn't risk driving on these crazy roads just to hang out. We're here because God wants to impact. His spirit is in the room. He wants to minister to every single one of us tonight. If we're fatigued, if we're fearful, if we're tired, if we're like, God, what are you doing? If we're like Jarius where he's, he's, he's walking and yet his little girl has died and it seems like it's over. 
How do we interact with the Holy Spirit? I, I, can I suggest we have to be able to embrace the mystery? I like things linear. I think things logical, the engineer in me, the spreadsheets, and yet Holy Spirit is outside of my spreadsheet. He doesn't fit into my box. I can't control. I, I can't control. I can't manipulate Holy Spirit, but I can block Holy Spirit like a dam that blocks a river. I can say, eh, I'm scared, I'm fearful, I don't want you. I, I want you to look like this or like that. But I didn't come here for a great message or just speak something good tonight or feel good. I've come because God wants to move tonight. He wants to move in you. He wants to move in me. He wants to do something. There's a river. There's a, there's a flow of the Holy Spirit that's in this place tonight. See, if I'm not careful, my past experiences, our past barriers, our past walls, the, the, the thing can impact our flow of the Holy Spirit in our life. Our, our hurts, our things, if we don't heal, we can push God and say, well, I don't want you like this. I want you like that. I want, well, let's let God be God. <laughs> let's let him decide what we need. He's the great physician. He's the one that knows our hearts like no one else. And in the room where it happens, Jesus grabs a little girl's hand. Talitha kum. Guys, I want to have somebody come play the keys. That'd be great. And Jesus says, Talitha kum, sweetheart, get up. Sweetheart, get up. Everyone's out of the room, but mom is in the room. Laughing people are outside the room. Jarius is in the room and Jesus is in the room. And he says, Talitha kum, sweetheart, get up. And I, and I think of the laughing people are outside the door. They're listening on the door and they can hear. And all of a sudden they hear Jesus and they hear the mom and they hear probably some emotion from the mom and they hear Jarius. And then all of a sudden they, 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 they hear a 12-year-old's footsteps on the creaky floor. And they're like, we felt her body. She was cold, rigid, and morbid. She was dead. She was dead. But how do we hear the footsteps of a 12-year-old dancing on that floor? See, in the mystery of the waiting, Jarius, have faith in me. Can I suggest that he's looking beyond, Jesus is looking beyond Jarius, and he's saying to each of us, have faith in me, trust me. Well, my pace isn't to frustrate you, but it's to form you. And Jarius came to Jesus with faith for a healing, but he needed a resurrection in the end. And Jesus gave a resurrection to this little girl. It's in the presence of Jesus that a 12-year-old that was dead can come alive. Jesus said, no greater, a greater one than me is coming, Holy Spirit. It's the presence that in a room that can touch what seems dead or call it only sleeping. It's his presence that can touch a woman 12 years of bleeding and completely heal that woman. It's the presence of God, not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit, Zechariah says. Can I suggest there's something else tonight in the story that God gave me as I prayed for tonight? And I sense this so strongly in the room. This is new for me. I, I just sense it. But in, in Scripture, in Corinthians, it talks about great faith. And I believe tonight there's great faith in the room tonight. I believe so strongly that tonight there's a gift of faith in the room tonight. And 1 Corinthians talks about in, in chapter 12, describes the gift of faith. 
I don't share this lightly. This isn't just, okay, a message. I actually really feel so strongly that there's a gift of faith in this place tonight. And a gift of place may be defined as a special gift where the Spirit provides Christians with extraordinary confidence in God's promises, His power, and His presence. Where they can take heroic stands for the future of what God has. That they can step. The spiritual gift of faith is exhibited by one with a strong and unshakable confidence in God, His Word, and His promises. And as I prayed for tonight, I, I just I felt like there is a gift of faith in this room tonight that we're going to pray. And, and, and the daughter, Jarius's 12-year-old daughter, is a symbol of the things that maybe we've birthed dreams, purposes, callings, things in your heart tonight, things that, that are there that God has spoken and yet it seems like a far way off. It seems that you're in this space in between, you're in the tension and it's not happening and there's, there seems like at some level that God inspired thing, the idea, the dream, maybe the book, the song, the business, the, the child, the grandchild, whatever it is for you, but it seems like it's not lining up with what you know and what you declare and what you believe and and I just and it feels like it's like dead or it's asleep or it's impossible and I just believe tonight to declare there is faith for resurrection in the room tonight there is faith to shift what is not possible to make it possible to, to, to shift circumstances tonight to shift destinies tonight to shift sit, shift situations tonight to believe that God is a God who will move in undeniable faith in this room tonight that you came in here with fatigue and tiredness and, and this of the season and you're like God why is all this happening and I just sense that God's saying will you believe Will you trust me? Because I believe there's something going to shift in your life tonight. You're watching online. Something is going to shift. It's an awakening of sleeping dreams, sleeping spirits, sleeping and confused destinies. It's an awakening of faith in this room. It's an awakening from the fatigue and the tiredness. And say, no more fatigue. See, fatigue's answer isn't trying to earn love and work harder but it's refresh, replenish, and restore the foundation in Him. God wants to remove every voice in the rooms of our heart, our mind, and our bodies that are not of Him. He wants to remove every lie, every of those laughing voices, and, and, he, and He's speaking life, and He's speaking hope. There's a shift. that prayer is the foundation and I want to call us as a community you personally to prayer will you pray I don't think I've ever seen the church levels of prayer at the lowest everywhere except for Korea but I feel like there is the levels of prayer the levels of prayer and resurgence right now are at the lowest in years and I'm, I am concerned. We had a meeting today about it, sounding the alarms going, where is prayer? Because it's our foundation. And if we lose prayer, we lose everything. And I just believe if in your life, if prayer is missing, you're letting go of the handle. 
You're letting go. If, if community of church is missing, if, if good Christian friends that are holding you up and calling forth the destiny is missing, you're letting go of the handle. Well, I don't have... Well, pray. Learn how to pray. Find someone that can pray. Find someone. I honor people in this community that have prayed and pray, pray for us. And there's many here. But Yuri, I honor you. I know you're moving soon. But I honor you for your commitment to prayer. Because you've prayed and you've prayed in tongues over this community and you've prayed relentlessly and you've believed and it has shifted and moved things. And there's something, if you don't know Yari, he's leaving soon, so meet him. Because there's something on his life that's rubbed onto my life and he's going to keep praying for us. I'm convincing him. So um, I'm praying that. So... Um, but he has prayed and he has and he has taught on prayer and he has pushed on prayer. There are people we need to pray. See, we coast in our relationship with God and we look at the past and, and soon we we sink. We're like those water skiers that start to sink. We're like, oh, remember then. And it's easy to blame God when we start to sink, isn't it? But it's us that let go of the rope. It's easy to go, oh, I'm tired. Don't let go of the rope. Jairus could not have walked on with Jesus, and yet he chose to wait. What if he would have just left and peaced out in that moment? My girl is dead, I'm out of here. Yet he waited, and what happened was Jesus came into the room. See, what happens for fatigue, the answer to fatigue right now, can I tell you, is an encounter with him. I don't know about you, but if I'm hungry, I can't sleep. It's not a good thing because I need to snack at like midnight. I like want some chips. I want something. I can't sleep when I'm hungry. And I think it's so true. If we're hungry for God, we can't be fatigued. If we're hungry for His presence, if we're hungry for an encounter, it's hard to sleep. It's hard to get fatigued. It's hard to get tired. Why? Because there's the presence of God. Mystery can cause fatigue. See, I can't control, I can't figure it out, I can't fix it. Here's the thing, that sometimes we believe that four easy steps. Oh, we go hear that sermon and we do this. And you know what it sometimes works us into? Get this, I've done this. Oh, I gotta do this. And the pastor said I gotta believe this. And I gotta do this. And I, gotta, and I gotta do this. It tires us out sometimes. I don't know if it's you. Maybe it's just me, okay? I've heard sermons and it's like, oh, you're not doing this enough. I'm not doing that enough. Listen, it's very simple. We need an encounter with him. It's not four easy steps, clap twice and jump up and down. It's encounter him. It's really simple. We just need him. We need an awakening. We need him in the room. That's why we're doing revive and refresh. Why? Because we're just going to go encounter him. Just come encounter him. That's what we want. We want to be in a room and say, Jesus, we're going to be together for three days. Because Why? Because we just want to encounter him. I think it's the most significant thing as a ministry. Uh, 14 years, I'm going, if, if there's one thing you do this year, if there's one thing you sign up for, again, if money's an issue, we'll pay for you. I will find a way. I'll go door to door and raise money so that you can be at that thing. Why? Because I believe God's going to encounter us and move in our hearts. And there's something that's going to shift. So if you know someone that's fatigued and needs a, bring them, pay for it. If you're in this place and you want to sponsor someone, go up to someone and say, hey, how do I get you there? What, whatever, come talk to us and we'll, we'll take the money and we'll get someone to go that can go. But there's something that's going to happen when we're in the room and we say, God, we need you. 
We want an encounter. There's an awakening that's gonna happen in our hearts. And it's awakening over resurgence in this season. Leisure got a word this week, Amos 9, about a new outpouring of God. You know, Habakkuk, he asked God to move and God said, there'll be volatility in the land on every side. And then in chapter three, he said, yet there's hope. I wanna tell you there's volatility all around us, yet there's hope. God wants to awaken us in the room where it happens. I don't know about you, but I wanna be in the room where it happens. Like Jarius. I read this this week and I'll close with this and we're gonna pray. It was from Charles S. Price. Charles S. Price came to Edmonton in 1923. He was one of the most prolific evangelists in the day. I met a guy in Korea that has actually his whole library and knew all about Charles S. Price. And, and, and knew the story of Charles S. Price, had some original books of Charles S. Price. And there's so many stories about him, but one quote, he had a prophetic word in 1939. God will pour out in the fullest measure the power that was given to the disciples on the day the church was born. We believe there'll be a miracles of healing, supernatural manifestation of God's mighty power that'll break out even in the most calloused heart. There'll be another outpouring, this time a cloudburst of the latter rain. Not only feel it in our spirit, but the word of God corroborates what we feel. Be true, my friends. Keep tight hold of his hand. God has some wonderful things in store for you. I just want us to close our eyes in this place. I don't know where we're going to go in this moment, but we just come Holy Spirit. Thank you that you're in the room. as I was speaking tonight you felt fatigue and you've been tired you've felt the tiredness and fatigue and you just need God to take that it's caused you to maybe let go of the rope let go of the hand of God let go of the things that you know and it's that there's just this tiredness and there's a weariness God can't fill something that's not needing filling and sometimes it's our vulnerability, our brokenness to go, God, we need you. We don't have enough on our own. I think that's where it starts. Is it, God, I'm not strong enough. I can't do it. I give up. I need you. So in this place, if that's you, no one's looking around. I just, you're fatigued. You're tired. You need a touch of God tonight. Just stand across this place. No one's looking around. You just go, God, I need, I need that tonight. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I believe the Lord speaks the words Talitha Kum. Sweetheart, get up. He speaks that over your spirits tonight. He speaks that over your heart tonight, over your body tonight. He says, sweetheart, get up. Step into your destiny. Step into who I formed you. I made you in my image. And I call you forth into your destiny. Yes. 
ます。www.liveresurgence.com